Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 434 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is with Jenny Smith. Jenny and I are going to talk about long-acting insulin for those of you who are on MDI. So insulins like Levomir, Lantus, Traceba, stuff like that, long-acting, which Jenny corrects me about because I want to call it slow-acting, but Jenny is older and she's had diabetes for a long time, so she remembers insulin that was slow-acting. Anyway, let's get started. My friend Jennifer Smith holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitoring system. Systems? I didn't say the S the first time. And most, ready? <laughs> Just pretend I can't. And continuous glucose monitoring systems. She's on the show today to help me talk about long-acting insulin for people we're using multiple daily injections. Now, if you're pumping, we still, um, we talk a little bit about the ideas of how basal insulin works and how to create coverage for different things. So I don't think the conversation wouldn't be valuable for you, but this one was definitely done with people who are injecting in mind. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan we're becoming bold with insulin. And after all this, if you'd like to contact Jenny, you can find her at her real job at integrateddiabetes.com. I'd like it if you could consider supporting the good work that's being done by the T1D Exchange. Your participation will take just a few minutes, but the impact of your kindness will last forever. Because the T1D Exchange is looking for type 1 adults and caregivers who are U.S. residents to participate in a quick survey that can be completed in just a few moments, right from your home, on your phone or your computer. And after you finish the questions, which are very simple, I think it took me maybe six or seven minutes to do them, you'll be contacted annually after that just to see if there's any updates to your information. But other than that, there's nothing left for you to do. And this is 100% anonymous, completely HIPAA compliant, and it never requires you to have to see a doctor or go to a remote site but it does allow you to help with the research being done around type 1 diabetes. The T1D Exchange is building the most robust type 1 diabetes data platform in the United States, and it's using it to drive meaningful research and innovation in treatment, prevention, and hopefully one day, a cure. With their partners, they work to increase patient access for care, resources, to promote education, and advocacy for policies that help the type 1 diabetes community. These things lead to better, longer lives for everyone living with type 1 diabetes. And if you can take the time to do it, please visit them at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Thank you very much. Jenny, I want to talk about slow acting insulins for people using MDI. Um, because I always tell people that the difference, the main difference between pumping and not pumping is well, if you're pumping, you don't have to inject yourself a bunch. Um, and if you're pumping, you have access to extended bolus features and manipulating your basal insulin from turning it off to temporarily putting it up or down. And to me, those are the real differences between pumping and MDI. I don't see a, a bunch of others. The dose too. 
from the standpoint, right? I mean, in terms of especially little, little or really sensitive, if all you can do on MDI is half a unit, or if you've got really good eyeballs and on those half unit syringes, you can get a quarter of a unit, mm-hmm. which I can can be done if you, but it's again, it's not exact. Right. But I mean, if you're somebody that can take 0.05 or 0.1 and it turns things around for you, then MDI is not going to ever allow that. Right. And then thinking specifically about being an MDI patient and your slow acting insulin. So mm-hmm. let's list them because I'm not, I, I can do the old ones. Lantus, Levamir. I know Traceba because people seem to love that, but there's another one, right? Oh, so not so, so you mean long acting? Yes, I call it slow acting, you call it long yeah, acting. Yeah, it's yeah. long okay. acting, and yeah, there are you're right, there's um, Lantus is old, Levamir, yeah, um, Tujeo, Tujeo is the one I couldn't think Traceba. of, Traceba. Mm-hmm. Is there another? And then there's also, you know, Basiglar, essentially, which is like Lantus. Okay. They changed so. the, they changed. Okay. Yeah. So those are the, those are the main, um, long acting sort of 24, what, what they call 24 hour acting. And if I put you in charge of the world and you had to give people long acting insulin, which brand would you give them? Oh, um, you should have saw the pressure on your face when you were given uh, free reign over the world just now. You're like, yes. Yeah, so oh gosh, <laughs> I know it's like being told that I get to be like controller of everything. Yeah, well, uh, this one just, little thing, just insulin. That's that's not as fun. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, I I think that there are there are two. I wouldn't really only just pick one. Mm-hmm. If I had to only pick one, I'd probably pick Traceba. Okay. Honestly, second line, I would still go with the age old Lantus. Okay. I really would. Um, I, and I, I think that Lantus to J.O. probably would be kind of like right with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is from both like this is professional opinion in terms of what I've seen with all the people that I've worked with. Um, and then really fourth in line would really be more like a Levamir. Okay. So um, I mean, by no means am I saying if you're on a Levamir and it's working for you, that it's bad or whatever, again, your diabetes is yeah. what works. Hey, listen, you. what but. works, works. That's no trouble at all. Yeah. What I started to run into, this is going back a long time. This is this is time machine going back. Arden's using, uh, they started on Lantus. It burned her. We moved her to Levamir. Levamir uh-huh. didn't burn. We were all good. A little while into Arden's diabetes, I started seeing what I thought. It's funny now because people have glucose monitors and they're like, yeah, it's so obvious. But it wasn't obvious back then when I had a freestyle meter that looked like it came out of a bubblegum machine and a bunch of needles, you know. <laughs> yes, um, yes. And and so I started thinking I'm seeing Arden back then. I thought of it as being insulin resistant, but her blood sugars going up about 18 hours after I would inject her Levamir. Right. And so I start. I'm online trying to figure it out. And again, for people nowadays, online back then was not the same thing online now is. And I come across, Jenny, I don't, I've never told you this. I know I haven't because I've never said this on the podcast. I came across a web forum that should have been password protected that wasn't, where, a, where pharmaceutical salespeople talked to each other. Okay. So there's a bunch of pharmaceutical. This was a long time ago. This was a long time ago. (laughs) I found this web board where pharmaceutical salespeople talk to each other. And I found a thread where they were lamenting that the slow acting insulin that they were selling 
doesn't always last 24 hours the way the label says it does. And I would, I would say that for that particular long acting, it's probably at least 90, if not more percent of people cannot use it once a day. Once a day. And so that was a light bulb for me. And I was like, okay, well, then what? You know what I mean? Like, so now I'm sitting there by myself. I don't have a podcast I listen to or anything like that. I'm not reading anybody's blog. And I'm like, what do I do if it doesn't last 18 hours? And then I was like, what if I give her some of it every 12 hours? And that's the first time I split Arden's Levamir. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't get a doctor to tell me to do it. I couldn't get anybody to tell me to do it. And, you know, so I, I started off with 50-50. If she was mm-hmm. getting four units a day, <clears throat> excuse me. If she was getting four units a day, I put two in in the morning, and 12 hours later, I put two more in. And then I started being like, huh, like at night, she's staying stable, but during the day, she's a little high. So I was like, let me try two and a half in the morning, and then two at night. And I just kept messing with it until I got it, right? Um, And it messes with your head a little bit when you first start it, because you picture this 24-hour clock in your head, and you're like, where do I stop it? And what's that going to do to success? And you worry so much about it when you go to do it. but. Splitting that insulin absolutely was a game changer mm-hmm. for Arden. And do you, and I want you to tell me how you talk to people about splitting. So, and you would, you wouldn't split Traceba, right? Because Traceba actually seems like it makes it like 18 hours maybe, or, or day and a half. Longer, actually. Traceba, um, from, I mean, if you pull out like the pamphlet details and all that kind of stuff, I mean, it's a 24 hour acting insulin, but. Okay. The action profile is a true 24 hours at a minimum, Mm. meaning many people know that it does last longer than that, 30 hours, 36 hours, um, which also in terms of like dosing allows a little bit of leeway. Let's say you were always really strategic about making sure you took whatever basil, let's let's say it was Levamir once a day or Lantus once a day at like 10 p.m. And it had to be 10 p.m. every night. Or you noticed like you did that after that, it was just all out of luck because it was gone or it was dissipating. Right. Not so much with Traceba. You could have leeway on airing on the side of later. If 10 p.m. was your dose, but you didn't get to it until midnight. Mm -hmm. For the most part, you could be pretty okay, or you would be pretty okay being sort of delayed in getting to taking it. But that's not really the case with like your Lantuses and your Levamirs. So for splitting like a Levamir in terms of what we usually do, when it's really evident in data, kind of like you were following even with the sort of rudimentary stuff you had to analyze. Piece of paper and a pen and, a, and this little, right. just, I wish you could all see the meter. It was just like, it felt like it was going to fall in half sometimes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like plastic, yeah. very. I mean, they're all plastic, but like this was really like. Not like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, you we look at data and we say, okay, this is clearly not serving you well. Um, in fact, a good like basal sort of evaluation on like a Levamir would be when you dose it. And you think you've got the time zone where it's dissipating in use. Mm-hmm. Just don't bolus and eat after that and see what happens to your blood sugar. Right. That's a really good way to analyze about the stoppage point, which then would give you more detail to splitting it. And we do still try to do about a 12 and 12 in terms of hours in 
we, you know, break. Um, so morning, 6 a.m., evening, 6 p.m., or whatever you want to do like that. Mm-hmm. We start with a 50-50, unless there is very definitive data, again, that shows a time period of the day with a lot more sensitivity and a time period where there's a lot more resistance. So let's say once we start splitting with 50, 50, the overnights are like, God, you're dropping, you're dropping. There's, I got to feed and feed and feed and where in the daytime you need more like you saw. Right. So then we would really probably do more like a 75, 25 kind of thing, Mm -hmm. more in the daytime, less in the evening or opposite, maybe less in the daytime and more in the overnight, especially if growth is a potential issue or there's stuff that's causing rises overnight. Um, So the breakdown, we start with 50, 50, and then we go ahead with looking at records to see how to adjust it. Yeah. And and this, again, to be clear, this isn't something you would do with anything other than Lantus or Levamir. Correct. And right. for the most part, even Lantus, most, Maybe not most even Lantus. people don't really need to split Lantus like right. that. Um, I've had in little doses, mm-hmm. sometimes it becomes necessary because the smaller the dose the less lengthy the extension of use to a to to a true 24 hour. Gotcha. The same thing with um, a baseline basal insulin. That's a very large dose. We see large being more than about 40 units at an injection point. Mm-hmm. While you might take it once a day, you know, 8 p.m. at night, anything more than about that 40 units in one pop we split into two injections. Gotcha. If you're taking 60 units, 30 units in one hip, 30 units in the other hip or butt or leg or wherever wherever you're you're kind of putting it because that big depot under the skin, it's a lot. Right. Is it true that those two, those, those insulins go under the skin and they crystallize and they kind of melt away? Is that the functionality of it or am I wrong about that? I guess in terms of chemistry, that's kind of a way to look at how it, doesn't get all absorbed like our rapid acting insulins do like, right. you know, quite right away or so to speak. Um, it, it forms more of like a, a solid like crystal, I guess. Yeah. And then, and then it, it just sort of gets used away. slowly. That's, a, that's not a bad way to describe it. Thank you. I made that up. <laughs> I made that up years ago for the podcast or for the blog. And uh, I just couldn't, I was trying to explain it to somebody one day. I'm like, just imagine it goes inside. It kind of isn't liquid anymore. And then it just slowly kind of melts away and gets used up over time. It's time like throwing water, hot water into the air on a really freezing cold day. It crystallizes. And then I probably could have just said time release now that I'm thinking of it, but (laughs) (laughs) well, then we would visual is more fun. Yeah, it is more fun that way. Um, So the reason I bring all this up is because watching people manage with MDI and getting this in their head that, Hey, I put that in now that's gone. I don't have to think about that anymore. Like it's, it's, it's it's another avenue for me to watch people underrepresent how important their basal insulin is. And I guess then if I'm telling you what the real difference between pumping and not pumping is, is the ability to change your basal on the fly day after day or or segment after segment is kind of huge. Now, I'm not a big proponent of having like a thousand basal programs. I'm, I'm I try to keep them pretty close. And manage everything else with with uh, boluses, but there just can be no doubt, especially if you're a hormonal person, a woman uh, who gets her period, or little kids who are growing. I'm watching at times, like 
like I'm something that's a little exasperated right now and kind of blown up to, to make the point, but Arden is trying birth control pills to regulate her period. So poor Arden's period is not great. It comes, it, it literally doesn't stop. Like in the last 60 days, Arden, you know, she hasn't had four periods, but she's had four episodes of bleeding that have lasted at least 11 days. So she gets 11 days, a five day break, and it comes right back again. Right. So we're trying to regulate it with the birth control, not which the a lot of women do that, please, mm-hmm. whatever works, whatever makes her feel better. I'm good with. But the point is, is that we introduced more ho- hormones into her body and I watch her basal needs change significantly. And I think, what would another person do? Like, what do people do when they're on MDI and they're, I don't know, they're shooting five units in the morning and that works for them. Right. And then all of a sudden something happens that puts their need up. It's like the last thing they would think to do is give themselves more basal if they were on MDI, I think. I think they'd be like injecting and injecting, trying to stop highs and everything and just think, oh, why am I getting high? Diabetes, you, you know, instead of that. Um, you adjust the dose. Yeah. On MDI, which is what I had to do in terms of the same scenario as Arden when I was on MDI and I had my period, I had to take about 20 to 25% more insulin in the days before mm-hmm. it started right? in order to calm down the impact of those hormones. Oh, hundred percent. Like it's, so, but, but here's what I see the fear from people, which I don't not understand. How do they know how much? Because once they put it in there, it's in there, right? When I do it with a pump, I just go, I don't know, turn it up to this. If that didn't work, a little more. Was that too much? Take it away. But once you make the decision, I usually get five, I'm going to put in seven. You can't take it out again. You know, it's in there. And that's got to be the piece that stops people from making the adjustments. Don't you think like that's the fear part that gets to them? Um, Yes. Yeah. I mean, in general, depending on why you think the increase is coming, there's a general idea of about how much you might need more. Mm -hmm. So for a woman, again, in that time of the month, typically somewhere between about 20 to 40% more baseline insulin is needed to calm the impact of those normal monthly hormones that are cycling. Yeah. Um, for things like an illness, you know, like a nasty cold or whatnot, most people need at least 25% more insulin on a basal level mm-hmm. for an illness. So having some parameters to start with for known situations can help give you, I guess, a math equation to figure out how much more to add in this scenario. Right. Um, if it's just like, oh, today I'm running higher. I wonder if it's going to happen tomorrow. I, you need a little bit more data than just today. <laughs> you can't be like, oh, I'm running, you know, 70 points higher. I'm going to add four more units to my Lantus dose tonight and see if that helps it. I, that's right. not what I would recommend doing. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. But you have to, you have to incrementally move. And Correct. it's just, I, I feel for people who have that, well, once it's in there, it's in their fear. Because mm-hmm. I remember the first time somebody showed me an insulin pump, the first thing I thought was, I can manipulate basal insulin. That was my most excited idea about pumping. I'm sure Arden right. did like not getting shots, but that's what I was thinking about. Right. And it just, so, okay, so you might need to split Levomir. You don't think you'd need to split Lantus. Traceba can last much, much longer. So it's on a different cycle. Here's a really 
out of left field question that maybe you're going to tell me I'm an idiot on. But now that we had this conversation, I started thinking, instead of splitting the Levamir, should I have just shot less every 18 hours? Would that have worked in that scenario? If you were, I mean, if you gave less in an 18 hour time period, would it have made it as far? Maybe not. Maybe I would have to shoot the same amount every 18 hours. Right. But see, back then I didn't think about, and this is kind of the next little bit I want to talk about here, and I'm going to keep it all as one episode. Back then I wasn't thinking about timeline. So we've talked Mm -hmm. about it before, but I kind of segment Arden's management in my mind into timelines. So there's a 24-hour timeline that I step back and look at. That, to me, is how I figure out basal and where I see whether or not I've pre-bolused well or chosen the amount Mm -hmm. of insulin for food well. But then I also think of timelines of meals. So in terms of how long is food going to be in our system and where is it impacting her along the way? And so there are times that I change the impact of the insulin through the timeline of the meal. That's just sort of how I think about it. So there's a bigger timeline that's 24 hours. Then there's a smaller timeline that to me begins with a pre-bolus and then any kind of fat or protein rise that I'm going to see. And Mm -hmm. then when the insulin's out of her, those are sort of the two kind of ways that I think about it. And just now while we were talking, I thought, I wonder if I couldn't have manipulated that basal insulin Instead of thinking of Arden as a 24-hour timeline, what would have happened if I thought her was like a shorter one? Every 18. And yeah. I think in hindsight, and that's the reason I wouldn't have, I didn't kind of comment on doing that mm-hmm. because it it becomes a little bit harder then because that 18 hours is always changing the time of 18 hours, right. right? I mean, if you're going from taking it at six o'clock in the morning, 18 hours from there. Would I really even think to do it then? Would you even think, I mean, you'd have to, if you really did think it was definite 18 hours and the dose was right because the time in that 18 hours was spent in target along with the boluses and everything was jiving the way that it was supposed to, Mm -hmm. it was after 18 hours that everything went sort of kapooey. Yeah. Then sure, you could dose every 18 hours, but then you really have to be on top of setting a a, a reminder that says, this is 18 hours, this is time to dose. Yeah, it it, it doesn't lend to, what I'm saying doesn't lend to the idea that time is kind of artificial. Like you don't realize that till you really think about it. Like you're just running your life by a clock because we've all agreed to do it. Yeah, and so- um, and I'm thinking of it as a person who pumps mm-hmm. insulin into his daughter, not as a person who shoots it anymore. Like, would I really think to, like you said, 7 a.m. would turn it into, what, like 1 in the morning or something like that? Like, would I be like, hey, right? <laughs> you know, right. Pro- probably not. Right. <laughs> but it still was an interesting kind of, like, exercise to consider just now. Like, like I'm not saying you should do it. I'm, I've never done it. I'm, I can't stand behind this idea at all. It just kind of popped into my head as we were talking about it. Yeah. So, okay. So when you're using Traceba's example, your timeline, your macro timeline isn't even 24 hours. It's longer than that, but you still shoot it every 24 hours. You still give it every 24 hours, exactly. Which again, in terms of use, I don't have a good amount of people who are using it because the majority of people just don't want to stay on MDI so long, long anymore they just gotcha. don't um i have i've had two in the past year women um that i've worked with through pregnancy who are mdi 
mm-hmm. and did it through pregnancy, and they were actually Levamir users. Okay. Um, because it seemed to actually work better in terms of that dosing adjustment strategy. It gave you more flexibility it too. It gave more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. How often do those people's levels change? Like how often are they, is their Levamir going up or down frequently? Um, specifically in pregnancy? Yeah, those two. Oh, yeah. A lot? A lot okay. through the whole pregnancy. All right. Now, this is the... I, you're losing me. I've lost the ability to make eye contact with Jenny while I'm talking now. Jenny's the only person I look at while I'm in interview while I'm talking, but I'm so far in my own head thinking about like different timelines and overlays of insulin <laughs> and everything. Like I'm just but and I know that sounds like probably nerdy and too deep, but I didn't know you could be nerdy about using insulin, but I'm now learning it's possible that I am. <laughs> so yes. but there's a way to layer it on there that creates all of that and and even thinking about that traceba piece like really think about that for a second you shoot it every 24 hours but it lasts longer than 24 hours meaning that somehow when you initially shoot it it's got some sort of a ramp up period that's because the beginning of the new shoot and the end of the old shoot are working together kind of overlapping and then there's a middle section where the new shoot is the only thing happening and then the new shoot leaves a tail that you overlap with. Oh, that's good. I love that. Yeah. I don't know why and I like fact, that. And in fact, from the couple of people I've worked with with Traceba, um, one of the times of day that most people have trouble with, of course, is the morning, mm-hmm. right? Fasting time, breakfast time. So if you're taking your Traceba in the morning, you have a potential for actually improvement in the aftermath of like a breakfast because you have that if there is for you that like window of time where you've got the new one going in and ramping up mm-hmm. and the old one still potentially dissipating out. So a bit of a layering effect there. I was talking to someone recently and I said, look, you don't have to do this. And I was like, and I'm not saying you should, but I'm wondering if I was you, would it be interesting to get up every night just for a week at 3 a.m.? And shoot your your long acting insulin then to see if that quells the feet on the floor and the rise in the morning. Because you're getting up, all this is hitting you. That insulin goes in, it's not working yet. But what if you just and I was like, obviously it's not a long term fix, but if but if you were on a pump, I would say to you, four or five o'clock in the morning, I think you should ramp your basil up to right. get get ahead of this thing. I was like, I wonder what would happen. I wonder if that person ever did that. Um, and they were injected. They were MDI. Yeah, yeah, they were MDI. Okay. I was like, just try it for a week to see what happens. Like, set the set the injection up, put it off to the side of the bed, set an alarm, Instead wake of 6 up, six a.m., three a.m., and then shut your eyes and go back to sleep and see what happens. I was like, just for an experiment, but you know, I think that's actually kind of one of the reasons that I'm so. It's really hard for me to sleep in, because from. When I was diagnosed, I mean, I had really, really old insulin. I mean, yeah. I had what was L insulin, the cloudy mix it up, you know, mm-hmm. regular insulin. And that was even more than our current long acting insulins. That was very much you were on a time schedule. Yeah. It was take it at this time, eat at this time, have snacks at this time, because this is the action profile of the insulin. You have to meet it with food correctly. That's that. Yeah, there's no there's no other option. So you think to right. this day you can't sleep in because you're used to getting up to give yourself insulin? I, I really think that's it. I mean, in high school, 
Um, and then in college, I mean, I kind of offset it in a way I never, I never didn't take my insulin on time, mm-hmm. but I would set the alarm, get up, take my basal insulin. And then I just go back, go back to, to sleep. <laughs> I mean, once I was on like a Lantus, um, you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't necessarily do that with my L or my Lente was what it was called. And my regular, because I, I mixed those in a syringe. Mm-hmm. So I didn't ever do that, but, um, I did do that with Landis because I was like, I want to sleep in. So I just, I would take it and then go back to sleep. I have to tell you this pandemic lockdown stuff. I have lost all semblance of understanding of what time means. Nothing matters anymore. It doesn't matter. Like the other night I was, it was last night I was putting a podcast together and I got done, put it online. I was like, I'm going to watch TV. I looked up and I'm like, it's midnight. Like, what am I doing? It, it It didn't even matter. We're eating at odd times a day. No one cares. No one knows what day it is. It's like, it's. I know if I didn't have a calendar to go by every single day, I wouldn't remember what day of the week it was either. Well, who would even know? Like, it's, right. it's, it's just, it doesn't even, it's, I'm almost been in the house for like the rest of us. I think we're on 10 months now, like more than 10 months. I, I, I don't know. Somebody asked me like, what would you do if this was over right now? And I was like, go to an island. Yeah, like just get on a plane and fly somewhere warm and sit down for a minute, just you know, uh, to yep. see something different. Uh, I don't even know, like, but that was what it reminded me of when you said that. Like, I sometimes the kids get up, they do something for a couple hours, they go back to sleep again, they get up again. They're Arden's done school at twelve thirty in the afternoon. Like, why are we getting the kids out of bed at six thirty if, like, if nothing matters? <laughs> like, right. Like, I, right. I don't understand anything. It's just I. I if I sat here and told you the number of television shows I've watched to completion in the last 10 months, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I, off the top of my head, Friday Night Lights, I've rewatched MASH. MASH was like 11 seasons. Like the whole thing? Yeah, like the whole damn thing. Oh, Friday yeah. Night Lights. I'm halfway through New Girl now. Um, I I just watched a reality show where glass blowers competed in a competition. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> These are not things I would normally watch on television. Now, have if, you watched the um have you watched the tattoo one? No, but I it's will really, now that you said it. <laughs> it's interesting. I can't remember. I think it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a whole um I've only watched a couple of them um with my husband. Um but yeah, it's a competition between like the top rated tattoo artists being judged by one of the judges is some big like Movie, not movie, um, music. I can't remember which band he's in. Tommy but, Lee. Um, I'm guessing Tommy anyways, Lee. Anyway, <laughs> some of these tattoos are like amazing, phenomenal, like amazing. The, but uh, there you go. There's a new one to watch. The glass blowing. I was like, this is fascinating. Like, I'm just, I, I watched uh, Watchmen. I've, I, I swear I should sit down and make a list. And I'm always doing something else. Like, I am a, like, I watch while I'm cooking or even sure. while I'm working, it's on a different monitor or something like that. I, I, I don't you really just sit idle and like, I don't remember the last time I did that, but even that bothers me. Like, it's not that I'm all for like laying around watching television, but nothing. And then I never feel like I'm getting anything accomplished, which is right. another horrible feeling. And I don't, this is bad. Like we need to, I want to take my vaccine and I want to go back. You want to go somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to get my <laughs> vaccine. I want to go outside. You know, here, here in this time, I've taught myself to smoke barbecue make pizza dough 
so that I can actually make a pizza like better than the one you would get at a pizza place. I bought an oven to make the pizza dough in because I couldn't get my oven to get hot enough. What else am I going to do? And somebody just bought me like a little beginner drone for Christmas. I'm teaching myself to fly a drone. Why? I have nothing else to do. So I'm trying you to do something with sourdough too. No, I, but I think about it. <laughs> I thought you had said you did some, or maybe I, it was I, a conversation about thinking about it. I, don't I, I think about it, but there's so much going on that I don't understand about starters and like live yeast and everything. I, I but trust me, this goes on six more months. I'm going to teach myself how to build a brick wall next. <laughs> like, I wonder how, how do you do this? Like, I don't know what's up. And, and to top it off before you go, a deer dropped dead next to my house the other day. Like went up into like my land. had a heart attack? I don't know. It went up in my landscaping, laid down under a bush and died. Like you watched it happen? No, I walked outside and I was taking down Christmas lights on the patio. And I'm like looking forward, rolling lights up. And I look away. And then I can hear the voice in my head go, was that a deer? Like, like, look again. And I look back and there was a deer laying under a bush. So now I'm staring at it. That doesn't seem like something I've ever seen before. Huh? That thing's dead. So I go over and I'm like, it's dead. Now what do I do? And it was, was it still warm when you prodded it? I don't, I don't think it was warm. And so luckily it's been cold outside or probably we would have noticed it was dead sooner. Um, so I call the township and I'm like, hey, what do I do? And they're like, well, we'll come get it, but we can't come on your property. And I went, what now? So you, had to you had to drag it to the curb? I almost said to her, I, you know, I make podcasts. Like, I don't know if you understand who you're talking to right now. So, yeah, I had to get a piece of rope, tie it up around its legs, and drag a deer across my front yard out to the side. I don't know what else is going to happen in this pandemic, but I would like it all to end because. Very, are you, and you don't live any wooded places like they would have gotten. I mean, this isn't deer hunting season, so no, I can't imagine no, no, got no, shot no. and just died under the bush. Somehow but. there's a pathway that goes behind all of my neighbor's backyards where they make it from one piece of like woods to a next and they just walk through. And this one just, I, I said, my neighbor sees me, you know humping a deer across my front yard and um he goes hey what's up and i was like hi and um, and i said you know if this thing would have given up 50 feet sooner this would be your problem it's <laughs> like because he just made it over the property line i was like damn it <laughs> anyway i felt bad for the deer then i had that problem i was like oh this poor thing you know but then there was another part of me going i think they carry ticks like you know so i'm like Jenny, who am I? I don't belong in this conversation, you know? Typically do, but yeah. not this time of the year. It's too how, cold. How would I tick. know that? How would I even know that? It's ridiculous. All right. You have to go, right? I do, actually. Right. I didn't even realize we were, like, out of time. That's fine. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. And if you're still here, I want to be completely honest with you. The next couple of minutes are going to be me talking about the advertisers. If you've been wanting to check one of them out, stick around and I'll tell you how to do that. And if you don't, okay, you can go now. But first, let me thank the T1D Exchange and ask you again to consider adding your voice to the work that they're doing. Remember, you want to be a T1 adult or caregiver who's a U.S. resident who has a couple of minutes to answer some simple questions that will go a long way 
towards helping everyone living with type 1 diabetes. Check them out at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. There's links right there in the show notes of your podcast player. And of course, there's links at juiceboxpodcast.com if you forget how to get there. I also want to thank the rest of the advertisers, even though they don't have any ads on this episode. That's how much I feel good about them. And I'd like you to be able to get to them. So if you're looking for that Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor, if you are uh, using insulin of any kind, if you're a type 1, you're a type 2, go check it out. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And don't forget, if you get your health insurance through the Veterans Administration, the United States Veterans Administration, if you're a vet, I guess that's what I should have said. If you're a U.S. vet, go check them out for sure. I think you might like the coverage that you find. But everyone has an opportunity to get a Dexcom G6 by going to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. There's a little bit of information you fill out and Dexcom is going to get back to you. If you want an absolutely terrific blood glucose meter, I suggest looking at the Contour Next one. And you can do that at ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. Contour makes an easy to use, incredibly accurate meter that does not take up a lot of space in your pocket or your bag. Arden's been using it for quite some time now. It is easily the most accurate and handy meter she has ever had. What's next? Let's let's, Oh, oh, I know. The Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. It is an insulin pump that doesn't have any tubing to get caught on doorknobs. And also, because it doesn't have tubing, you don't have to take it off. It's self-contained. You can swim with it, get involved in all of your favorite activities, take a shower, all the things where tube pumpers would have to disconnect and you know, likely have their blood sugars go up because of it. With Omnipod, you won't have to. Omnipod would be thrilled to send you at a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod that you could actually try on and wear to give it a little test drive of your own. It's non-functioning, so don't worry. It's just for to get the feel, you know? MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Fill out the information, watch the Omnipod demo show up in your mailbox. I'd also like to remind you about Touched by Type 1. It's a diabetes org that does amazing things for people with type 1, and all they want in the whole world is for you to know that they exist. So check them out at touchedbytype1.org. They're also on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, my daughter carries the Gvoke HypoPen with her wherever she goes. Check it out at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Okay, that's it. I have a little bit of time left. I want to thank you for listening, for sharing the show with others. If you're an endocrinologist that recommends this podcast to your patients, hit me up. I'd love to have you on the show. You could even be anonymous if you wanted to. Uh, What else? Thank you for the great ratings and reviews that you leave on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen. And if you're listening online, please find yourself a podcast app. They're free. They're handy. Get in there and subscribe. Subscribe to the Juicebox Podcast. Oh, last thing. It's like the end of January. There's two more days left in January. And if it's not January 2021 anymore, you can stop listening now. But if it's still January 2021 and there's like a day or an hour or something left, uh, download a couple of uh, episodes for me, please. I'm, I'm right at the edge of a milestone for this month. And I would just you know, just try to push a little bit. You know what I mean? Like go back and find a couple that you were like, oh, I did mean to listen to that one. Download it. Or uh, now's a great time to start with the Diabetes Pro Tip series if you haven't. Or the Defining Diabetes series. These are uh, strewn throughout the podcast. I know the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes begin at episode 210. I got to be honest, I don't know where the Defining Diabetes starts. 
But you can just search it right there in your podcast app. Just defining diabetes and they'll all pop up and you can see them all. I'm just blathering on now. I should hit stop, but I don't even know what I'm going to do for the rest of the night. I think I might watch WandaVision tonight. That is the extent of my Friday evening. There you go. Now you know the excitement. I don't want to get off because I don't have anything left to do. I like talking to you guys. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week with more episodes of the Juicebox podcast.